when people have the ability to say what they want, they actually don't have super negative and hateful things to say. Welcome to Live with Bitcoin, where we delve into the human side of Bitcoin to explore the life, culture, and the transformative power in Bitcoin. I'm your host, Vivian Chain. Thanks for tuning in. Today, the guests will be joining us are William Kasserin and Vanessa Gray, the masterminds behind Noster and Demos. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. You've had a, such a long trip. Um, just came back earlier this, this month, hey? Yeah, yeah, we were gone over a month. Um, to a variety of different places, talking about Noster and Thomas. Where, where did you go? Where were you? We're in LA for Pacific uh, Bitcoin. Then we were in Amsterdam for the Bitcoin conference there. Then we decided to go to Bali, which is apparently a lot further than you think from Amsterdam, um, for the first ever Indonesia uh, Bitcoin conference, which is amazing. And then we ended in Japan for Nostrasia. Wow, nice. And you did all of that um, with your kid as well. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> That's very impressive. I'm going to, I will be asking questions about those. But for those of whom were not already familiar with the two of you, could you share a little bit about yourself, your experience journey with Bitcoin, and in what ways you're um, involved with Noster and Damos? Most people come on the shows to talk about, um, you know, like life before and after Bitcoin. But I guess in your in your case, it's more about before and after Noster. Yeah, I guess for me, I got into the uh, the Bitcoin space pretty early, um, 2010. I think I just found like a Hacker News article. I'm like, oh, what is this? Download it, start playing with it. Um, never really took it too seriously at the time. I don't think a lot of people did. I think the price was like 30 cents or something. Um, but it was kind of, it, it kind of, it was like a cool toy. I'm like, wow, you can send money to people on the internet. And that just kind of blew me away just from a technical aspect. You know, I went to work for a record label. We started selling our music with Bitcoin in like 2013. I think we were one of the first record labels to sell our music with Bitcoin. Um, so, but the price started getting like higher and higher. And I'm like, well, maybe I should hold on to some of these things. It's pretty important. And then obviously just like through 2017 and everything that's happened to it, it completely changed the way I see like how we transact value on, especially online. So in that sense, that's kind of how it, it was a transformative thing for me because I realized, wow, this tech piece of technology could actually have huge impacts on the world and it changed, it was changing people's lives. So I started taking it way more seriously when I first got into it. Um, but yeah, I've always been kind of interested in protocols and um, that's why kind of Nostra naturally came up. And I'm like, wow, maybe I can integrate Bitcoin into this new social network. And, yeah, and here we are. And Vanessa? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, for me, um, he introduced me to Bitcoin. I don't know when. I mean, I've always been talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been talking about Bitcoin and protocols for a very long time. Um, and typical me, I'm skeptical of everything that I don't know much about. So, um, I started to kind of get into it myself so that I could understand it, uh, Bitcoin specifically, and saw the benefits, you know, saw how it could help our family directly. Um, and we actually started a little Bitcoin education company <laughs> called Bitcoin Wizard. Um, so we were because for me, it's it's all about educating people, right, so that they understand what they're getting into and um, can really get that. So we started doing that together. 
and that just wasn't sustainable for many reasons. Um, and then he brought Noster to my attention, I guess, about a year ago. And again, I was unsure of what this is and, you know, like what's a protocol and all that. Um, but I soon realized that this is something that could be really exciting, uh, something that I end up now using all the time, um, not just from the social aspect, but also the uh, lightning integration and sending money that way. And so, yeah, so then it's been almost a year and we're coming up on the anniversary and just taking off now. Um, so I'm helping out with all the marketing and promotion around the app and, uh, and Noster in general. So. Yeah. You went from skeptical to addicted pretty quickly. Yeah. Didn't take long. <laughs> and now I've, I've tried to, you know, obviously get as many people as I can onboarded too, including my mom. Wow. Talk about what can happen in a year. I'm sure it's been a crazy year. Vanessa, were you always on board with this decision? Because some people have a really hard time trying to entrepreneur their partners. And we still see that very much so today. It's It's been a bit up and down. Like, I, I feel anytime he has an idea, obviously, it's coming from a place of extreme deep dive knowledge, right? So anything that he's ever brought to my attention, I know that he's done the work. Um, but for sure, when you're talking about basically going full Bitcoin almost at this point, right, it's a little bit scary because mostly because of what you hear from other people, right? So, um, but I think, you know, we ended up using Bitcoin as part of our down payment on our, our place. That was a huge wake up call for me because it's like, wow, this is something that he had from mining it himself or whatever and it's now able to help us so i think it's it's been a process for me but you know even the last year just meeting all these people who are 100 percent in or you know very very passionate about it has has helped for sure to to make us feel like we're on the right path um and yeah i i i fully believe in it what happened with the down payment is that possible to to use bitcoin for down payment theoretically that was an interesting story because um, I was moving. So I had all of this money in the, in one of my banks, CIBC here, and I and they were like screaming me over. So I wanted to switch to RBC. So I was just trying to move the transfer of the money. So I had like 30K for the down payment. I was, tr I was trying to transfer to RBC for the mortgage payment, down payment. And then they basically screwed up the bank transfer somehow, like the serial number was wrong. And it just got lost. Like that $30,000 transfer was just lost. They would could not help me. Either bank, they're like, well, sorry, it didn't work or something. I'm like, this is absolutely. So it was lucky that we had a friend at RBC who was really high up who actually like got it resolved for us. But if we were like, if we didn't have that, we'd probably just lose 30K. And I realized, um, and so I had to use, I, so what I did was I, I had to sell Bitcoin, which is like the, was the worst feeling because at the time I, it was pretty, the price was pretty low, I think. Um, but you know, the fact that you can, it, the only thing I could rely on was this technology to, to like, to make this down payment. Yeah. It's like bridge the gap basically between, yeah. yeah the transfer and everything. So. Cause we were doing it like the day of, like we had to make the, the yeah. payment and we didn't have the month, the transfer didn't go through. So, um, that's why, that's how I see Bitcoin. It's just like a really, it's like, it's the most reliable tool for the, these types of situations when you, when everyone else is kind of screwing you like the banks, cause that's what they're kind of designed to do. <laughs> 
Wow, that is wild. Because if you think about how people are scared over sending transactions with the copy and paste uh, Bitcoin <laughs> addresses, and then you think about how banks that you're supposed to be able to rely on them, you trust your money with them, and then they end up like losing thirty thousand dollars of your money, and that's a lot of money. That's unacceptable. Like honestly. And with Bitcoin, it's like you know, if, if transaction is valid or not. Like I could like put this transaction on my node and see if it's valid. And there's no there's no there's no issues of like serial numbers going bad. It's just it either works or it doesn't. So it's just a much more reliable technology. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that after something like this, the, the conviction for Bitcoin is going to going to really, <laughs> oh, really yeah. grow there. That, that, maybe that was the moment. I think I did a tweet. I was like, my my life mission is to bring your entire company down or something. this entire <laughs> bank. I'm like, I'm so done with the banks after that. That's the, that, ever since that point, I start, stopped trusting banks. I took I think I took most of the money out of the bank and just put it into Bitcoin. Yeah, I guess it just goes back to the point that, you know, at the end of the day, like adoption happens through necessity. And if you see how you need this stuff and that you didn't realize before, then there's no going back after you've made that realization. And I think we're, we're seeing something very similar happening to Noster, um, which is our main topic today. I've been on Noster since January this year, and I, I definitely recall how overwhelmed and confused I was setting it up. And this is before we have all these tools and we have like some of the major relays that we're using today. Um, so right now it's largely elevated by some of the new developments and updates, but let's start from the very beginning. I desperately need a Noster 101. So this is something that, you know, we can go through together today um, for some key facts. My first question is who invented Noster? Was there a Satoshi Nakamoto for Noster? Yes. Uh, so his name is Fiat Jaff. We don't, no one actually really knows who he is. Um, he works for ZBD, I think. So maybe the guys at ZBD know who he is. He's, <clears throat> we do know he's like Brazilian. Um, we're not really sure what his age is or his like his whole personal situation, but, um, yeah, but he's, he's, he's a synonymous, so we don't really know who he is. So it's at a very similar story as, as to Bitcoin. We have our own little, uh, developer who we don't know who it is. So. <laughs> and when exactly did it happen? I think it was like November, 2020, maybe. Yeah, there's like a, a specific there's a, date. There's a specific date. Like, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, but it's, there was like almost no activity for like two years. <clears throat> um, even when I, I, like, I was building the first mobile client in April of 2022. So no, one's, no one even built a mobile client until, until I did. Um, so there was just, it was an idea. It was still, but no one was really working on it. We had a few clients, but they're really slow. Um, but I saw the potential and I'm like, I'm like, it shouldn't, none of these clients should be this slow. It should be, it's actually should be a pretty efficient protocol. So Domus was my attempt at showing that it's a, it's a really, it's really good, the protocol. And we just need to build some good clients to, sh to sh kind of show it off. Where did you um, hear about this protocol in the first place? Yeah. So I was working um, on Core Lightning, which is a lightning node. And, um, you know, so I was really in, heavily involved in the lightning space. And, you know, there's, and I, so the one spec that I always came up was Elinural. So this, Elinural spec is a way to kind of fetch lightning invoices over over the web over the web. And the guy who made this protocol was Fiat Jeff. So Fiat Jeff also made Elinural. Um, so I knew of him from that protocol. So if I did if I didn't probably know him through there, then I probably wouldn't see Nostra. But Fiat Jeff is really good at coming up with new protocols. So I always respected his his work. So once I saw he made Nostra, it was actually very much in line with other things I was really interested in at the time. Because um, I've always been really interested in bu building like a decentralized social media network. I was work because I was working on just um, that. Just always been interested. <laughs> well, I was working on um, <laughs> I was working on a activity pub node, which was a it's, so that's another decentralized social media protocol called Macedon. All those those other ones. 
Um, so I was, I was in this space and I was, I was interested. And then I saw Fiat Jaff made this protocol, which it seemed was very elegant, much simpler than ActivityPub and Mastodon. So I was like, hey, why don't I try to make a client? And yeah, I threw one together in the weekend. And I realized, wow, this is, if I could put together a client on a weekend, then this is a very powerful tech to- technology. So Noster, um, nodes and other stuff transmitted by Relay, without getting any technical here, can you help us explain what this At the core of the protocol is are these things called notes. And notes are very simple. They are... They have some content. So it's usually like, you know, like in, in the case of a tweet, it's the content is what you're saying. It's like the text within the tweet. Um, it has um, something called a kind. This is what which categorizes the note. So you can have notes of different kinds. Like you can have likes, you can have tweets, you can have reposts, you can have all these things. So there's different kinds of notes. And, and a kind is just a number. So text notes are just kind one. Um, reposts are kind six and seven. Okay. Um, so um and then the most important thing is that it's covered by a signature. So these are all signed by the person who is creating the notes that you can, you know that this note is from a certain person. So it gives it a really strong um, kind of ownership over your data. Um, and not many other protocols have that. Like not many others, um, you know, Bitcoin is one of those protocols, but, you know, adding cryptography into the network really in, in empowers the individual because you, in some sense, you know that the notes are coming from certain people and you actually own the data unlike um, other scenarios. So, yeah, so that's basically it. So you have these notes, and then you broadcast them to relays. The relays are just places where you store the notes, um, and then you can also query the relays and get the notes down. Um, but the main the main reason we're it, the 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 main feature which gives it its interesting properties is this um, the fact that you're broadcasting it to more than one relay. So once you once you broadcast it to like six relays, then no one can really censor you because even if one one relay censors you, then the notes are on the other relays. So that gives it its censorship resistant properties, which is. Um, why some people care about the network. <laughs> right. I'm seeing a, a little bit of a resemblance between how Noster, the protocol works, uh, compared to how Bitcoin network works in a way. How similar or different would you say between the Noster protocol and how Bitcoin works on a grand scheme? It's it's similar in some aspects, but it's actually quite different. Um, so the similarity, if, if you can make the analogy between notes and transactions, so transaction is signed um, a, a signed piece of data that you're broadcasting to other peers within the network, and those peers distribute that transaction to every other peer. Um, in Nostra, it's a bit different. You don't need to necessarily propagate that one note to every other every other relay on, on the planet, because um, there might be some situations where, let's say, you have a relay just for your company, and you broadcast a note just to that one relay within your company, and then only people within your company can see that note. Um, so, if but if in the so that's already quite different from Bitcoin, because when you broadcast a, a transaction to a node, it tries to get that note. That transaction to every other node on the, on the planet. Um, so we, in Nostra, we don't we don't we don't care about global consensus. We don't need we don't need a blockchain, right? So a blockchain is is for like building a ledger and like a you know a, a sequence of transactions that are, you're updating. In Nostra, it's much more free form in the sense that you don't have a blockchain. You're just kind of broadcasting notes to to the relays that you you care about, um, and there's no global consensus. You don't have a global view of the network. So it's quite different from like Twitter. Twitter, there's just one global network. Where in, where in Nasha, you can have many different sub-networks. Like, for instance, on in, in Japan, they have their own relays, and you can actually just connect to the Japanese relays and only see Japanese content. Um, so, yeah, the model is quite different uh, in that sense. Noster wasn't the first attempt in creating centralized social media. And I, I used to be a light user of uh, Masterdom, for example. Um, but um, what do you think are the success factors of Noster that the other attempts didn't have? One of the main reasons why I switched from Mastodon to Nostra was there was a huge issue when using Mastodon, which is whenever you sign up with an instance, um, your entire social graph was kind of tied to that one server. 
So, and that one server is typically controlled by one server admin. And if that admin didn't like you, they could just ban you and then you would lose your entire social graph. So I think this is the biggest flaw with Mastodon. Um, and, and this is the, this is what Nostra solves. So with Nostra, it's like, you know, one instance admin doesn't actually control all of your, your social graph. You control your social graph because what, what your social graph is, is a single note, which is called your contact list. And it has everyone that you follow and you sign it and you broadcast it to all the relays and you know, no one can stop that, right? So if let's say one of the relays censors your contact list, it doesn't matter because it's still rep replicated onto other relays. So you're always able to maintain, um, you know, no one can, no one can like deplatform you in that sense, like they can on ActivityPub. And, and that's, this is why I always say that like Nostra is like, you have true control of your data because as long as you have your data stored somewhere backed up, you can always rebroadcast it to new relays. And it's, it's really hard to be kind of deplatformed on this protocol. So that's, that's why I really like it. People have told us it's more fun than previous attempts, right? Yeah, it's a different culture, <laughs> right? Like the types of people that Nostra tracks is like people who are like freedom loving, like a lot of Bitcoiners, a lot of people who care about individual sovereignty, a lot of libertarian style people. And it just seems they seem friendlier. Like the people on Mastodon typically were people on the very far left. And they're like angry if you said Bitcoin, like you would get banned for saying Bitcoin on, on Mastodon. So I had to end up joining the Bitcoin hackers instance on Mastodon because it's the only place you could talk about Bitcoin. And that, that instance <laughs> is like banned from every other instance on, on ActivityPub. Sorry. <laughs> wow, then definitely, yeah, then definitely I see the issue. And next question is for Vanessa. Um, well, you kind of already touched on this, why, why Noster matters, right? But I want to hear it from a non-technical person's perspective on the, on the marketing and psychology side. Because the thing with um, talking to technical people about everything is that they can't help to get technical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For you, why should people care about Noster in the first place? And especially when people are already so familiar with platforms like Twitter for years and have a following there, why should they be bothered, let's say, to make the switch? Yeah, I think it's different for every person. Um, and that's kind of what's been interesting about this traveling that we've been doing, because, you know, you talk to people in all different parts of the world and different lifestyles and stuff, and they all have a different use case. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, I think I was never a social media person at all. I mean, I would post one photo a month of my son on Instagram, and that was like the extent of my, you know, and it would take me probably like a week to figure out what I would want to post. Um, whereas, you know, with Noster now, I'm posting all the time because I don't feel um, that I'm going to be shamed for certain things or feel like, oh, you know, people are going to think this is stupid. You know, people actually laugh and like my posts uh, or my notes. Um, so it's a really welcoming space, kind of what we were talking about. And I don't know if that's going to last, but it just feels very welcoming. So I think, you know, if you're looking for a social media place to be that is um, comfortable and welcoming, I think, first of all, it is. But then also, I think we've found that there's so many people that actually do need this um, for various reasons, right? So people who don't have a voice in the country that they're in, um, you know, people who are using this, to your point about as like a communication tool with their own relays, and that's the only way they're able to communicate. Um, and then, you know, I think beyond that, there's just so many possibilities. I think, I think if people take the time to get into it, and that's really what I've been doing with our team too, is like, 
I'll literally sit there with somebody and show them, you know, here's exactly how you get started or, you know, the tips and the tricks and stuff that people are doing, which you can see there. Um, and I think they'll realize that it's worth the effort. Um, and then obviously the, the ability to make um, content and get paid for it within an app is pretty pretty wild. And what do you think contributed to that um, friendly and welcoming space besides that the current group of members are coming from the libertarian and the, the Bitcoin community? When people have the ability to say what they want, they actually don't have super negative and hateful things to say. <laughs> you know, you want to believe that humanity is better. Obviously, the community is it has been small, right? And it's grown in a way that wasn't you know, oh, tomorrow we've got 10 million new active users. It's it's much more gradual than that. So I think that there's just this culture that's being developed. Um, not to mention we've had two in-person conferences in a year on a protocol, which is pretty unheard of. You know, thanks, Jack, for that. Um, but it's so it's it's interesting because you you meet these people who are building this thing in person um, it's not obviously the whole community, but it's the, a lot of the developer community. So you can kind of see the way that they interact and the, the culture that they're trying to build. And, you know, we had a conversation in a women's panel I did recently on this where, you know, the developers are listening, right? So they're listening to different groups. And if people are feeling uncomfortable or feel that there's a way that we could make it a friendlier place to be, we're able to implement that. Will there ever be a delete button on Damos? It wouldn't be called delete. There is there is a delete button on a lot of clients, but the, it shouldn't be called delete because it's just it's just lying to users. It should be called request delete. A client can't delete something. Like you can, you can ask the server to delete something, but they don't have to. Help me understand here. So I because I I do use um, a relay on desk, desktop when sometimes the posts go out twice. And then if I see like two identical posts right next to each other because I hit send twice, it really bothers me. Uh, so sometimes I would go and delete one of them. So what happens when I delete delete a post on through the, the client? Is it showing up still on other clients? Mm -hmm. Just for that specific? No? Yeah? Yeah. Actually? Yeah. Because like, for instance, Damas doesn't implement delete. So it's like it, it, it doesn't delete it on Damas. This is why like, again, deletion is... It's it's a it's not true. <laughs> so when when you, when when a client says this is deleting a note, you're, they're actually lying to you, and that's why I don't like to. That's why I don't really want to implement it because I don't want to like lie to my users and say this is being deleted, and thinking that they actually deleted it when it's, it still shows up on like every other client, right? Oh, I had no idea. No. Okay, I, now I feel lied to. Like, totally. That's, okay. <laughs> that's why I don't want to implement delete. I don't want to lie to my users. Yeah, that's like people. A lot of people are like, why don't you just allow us to do this? And it's like, well, we we want to make sure that you're getting truthful information. And if, if we really can't, like you have to know that that information will be there somewhere. So just keep that in mind. If you're posting, uh, you know, personal information that you maybe shouldn't, or post a photo that has, you know, there's ways that you can, again, like you said, request, you know, like through whoever's posting the content and stuff, but again, it's not, uh, Wow, there's no second thoughts on uh, Noster, hey? Yeah, exactly. And, and this is like, again, just the nature of like decentralized protocols. It's like once you put something out on the internet, you know, we're used to these like centralized service providers being able to like hide everything from you, but they don't actually delete it on their back end. Like their employees can see the stuff that you've deleted. Um, 
it just and this is an open network so now like everyone's the employees everyone can see that's why people can see like dm metadata you can see who's dming who um you can see like you, that you tried to delete something like I don't know. There's, it's just, it's a different thing that people got to get used to. It. You have to be really careful and take responsibility of, of what you put on the internet, which is what people should do. It's like, it's restoring <laughs> like what, what we have always been doing as humans. It's like, if you put something onto the world, like, you know, you can't just like undo it. You've done it already. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It's a different way of looking at things. And I, I think the majority of people um, are, comfortable with it and they they get it there are some people that are still really pushing for some type of edit i'm okay with editing yeah editing's fine it's just it's again it's it's fun because it's a conversation right so it's not just like will gets to decide yes we're gonna have edit or no we're not gonna have edit it's it's all been we have some really really in-depth conversations about everything um and it's not just we're not having those like closed doors conversations they're usually right out in the open which sometimes i have been like really you're gonna Put that out there, right? Like, just tell everybody or ask everybody. But it's it's better that way, ultimately, because then it does really um, lend itself to that decentralization. What has been some other um, special requests or, or popular requests besides the um, delete button? That's a good question. Probably one of the most popular ones. The biggest question we get, I, well, I'd say in the last couple of weeks is, yeah, when Android for Domus yeah. uh, It's probably the number one. Um, there's a lot of questions around, um, you know, can you add like video, a lot of video, um, feature requests, right? Like video playback requests. Yeah. People want lists. I'm going to add those soon. Oh, account switching. So I've got to add account switching. And then the whole conversation around algorithms, right? So like he's talking about lists, but also just, you know, what's, how can we make discoverability better? How can we make onboarding? Like, I think really those are the two biggest um, points, I guess, that get brought up in terms of how Nostra can go from here to here. Um, so I don't think there's an answer yet, really. But Well, people have been trained to just like not want to put in any work into the apps. Like, for instance, TikTok has trained people just to like open the app. You don't have to actually follow anyone, really. You just kind of swipe, swipe, swipe. So people expect that experience from their social media apps these days, which I'm like, which is not going to work right now in Domus because we don't have an algorithm that's going to just throw random stuff in your feed. So you really got to follow people and like follow people you're interested in to, before the the app is actually a good experience, which is all actually it's actually too much for most people. They're like, well, I don't want to put my any time or effort into this. So I'm not going to bother. So it's kind of a big issue right now we're working through. But it also is what makes it unique, right? Yeah. So there's got to be a balance between, you know, we can definitely find ways probably to to make it an easier experience for people, but we don't want to take it so far that it's just another TikTok or Instagram. It's very delicate, though, because I actually have this right written down in my question list is the existence of algorithm in general, because because right now we're very, very used to and we're very trained, very much trained to to get used to all of these algorithm. And obviously it's it's bad in the way that it's, it's such a easy thing to do if you want to spread any propaganda or implement control or or shape people's mind in a particular way right um but right now my understanding is there's no there's absolutely no algorithm whatsoever on on Oster. is that the the case still oh it's not technically true so like some clients such as primal um they have algorithms so they have like trending things so right. so my point is like you know Algorithms aren't necessarily bad. The, the issue is like one single algorithm that 
that you can kind of apply to a whole population, right? That's where things kind of get dangerous and you can start like swaying elections um, and things like that. So I think what Nostra is uniquely set up to uh, approach this problem in a much more effective way. So instead of having one algorithm, you can now have, you know, a whole suite, a free market of algorithms. Um, and, you know, you can pick and choose what, what, what suits you. Um, and not many other apps or not many other social apps are actually doing this because it's like they usually just build one that's really effective on their their user base. But like not everyone's the same. Right. Like when I open up Twitter, I get like, you know, fight videos and like anger stuff. that's like supposed to like make me angry and engage or something. So I can't even open up the algo feed on Twitter because it's like I just find it disgusting. Um, so maybe if there was a I get to choose which algorithms I see, that's like that makes me that puts happy content into my feed. That might be something I'd be more interested in. So that's kind of where we're going to go with uh, Nostra, I think, is just choose your own algorithm. And how would it look like for a user? So, for example, for me, if I go on demos and I want to pick my own algorithm, what exactly are the things I can pick and, and how would I? Yeah, so I think the way I would want to do it is, you know, we could probably show them as um, different tabs, very much like Twitter does it when you switch between the algo feed and the, the follow feed. So maybe you get to like open up a screen that's like, here's all the algorithms that people are working on right now. It's like a market. It's like people because people can publish these algorithms from the network. And so maybe you'd like click one and like add it to your to your list and then try it out for a bit. And if you like it, then that's great. If you don't like it, I'd remove it, try a different one. Um, but it should be more like a place where you go and explore and try different find the ones that like fit you best. That's a great way to do it because you're giving the control back to the users. My concern here without an algorithm is that right now Noster is small. And the user base is not so big. And if you if you if you manage to follow maybe like 500 people, you can still if you're like really into social media, you can still get get through all of their stuff. But if there are millions of people on Noster and then you start to follow more people and it's very reasonable that you don't you're not interested in all the things that someone has to say, right? So it, where do we draw the line of serving people's feed to the point that is relevant to them, but we're, we're not necessarily getting, the, the users are not getting taken advantage of by, you know, get sucked into this one algorithm that they can't get out of. So this is a great way of putting it, but technically how difficult is is this to implement? It's not too, it's not too difficult. Like you can, there's already some relays that, you know, when you when you go to them, they have their whole the whole feed from that relay is just like a custom algorithm that already works in all the other different clients. Um, you know, I'm working on something called Nostra Script, which will be a way to kind of like have little plugins into your client that can like implement new algorithms or even implement like ways to filter your feed. Like one one example of this is you know the the um, word muting in in Twitter is like a thing. It's like built into Twitter. You can mute words, but imagine if that was just a plugin. It's like the mute word filter. Um, that, like filter your feeds, but you could also have more advanced filters as well. That's, but then other people can write those filters and put them into the client. So this, I feel like this Nostra script might enable lots of cool ways to build algorithms, build filtering of your feeds. Um, so that's my approach. There's other people approach. Like one is called the data vending machines, which Pablo's working on, which is like a way of saying, Hey, you can actually send a request out to the network that says, I want a feed that has, you know, all Canadians. And then the network itself will respond to you with a, an algorithm. Um, so there's like many different approaches that people are trying right now. Nice. So you're almost um, thinking about algorithm in a way to um, gather people with their communities. Because if you're creating some algorithm and saying that I only want to see Canadians, then you're you're creating this sense of community already because they can just in interact with each other with this um, 
algorithm toggled on, and then all all of, all of the stuff you see will be relevant in that specific community. So that's a great way of thinking about it too. And on that note, besides the the cool personalized algorithm if you were to imagine a future of both of you for Noster and Damos what are some of the applications and use cases that you can see um, through the, the app that hasn't been realized just yet I want to replace my email client with Noster um, <laughs> and like the mailing list like right now we have a mailing list um, for for developers within Damos to like you know we send patches there and we can like do code review but there's no reason why we couldn't be doing all this over Noster which would be way more on brand um and also yeah like like the slack example i would love to have a, a you know a suite of tools like slack and um like workplace tools where you can just like maybe the dama suite you just have your own relay for your organization and you can use all the different clients that all work together um that just so that would be really cool so i want to i want to see i want to start exploring those ideas um i've i want i still use instagram and i want to like not use instagram so if, if someone if i could build like an instagram maybe i'll make Dom is more Instagram-y by having stories and, and like, gallery stuff. I don't know. Um, so that also maybe replaced TikTok eventually. Yeah, so I just wanted to eventually just take over the world. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's the goal. Yeah, just casually throwing down there, you're taking over the world. Because we see, like, WeChat in China, for example. You literally do everything with it. Like, chat um, for work, personal, and you pay. And do you see any risk going into going down that, that direction of making downloads the super app in the not in Nostra, we see it differently like we think we are the super app but like we're actually split into multiple different apps but they all work together so in some sense it's one big app that because all the things are working together um so i think it's just a better way to build a super app like Nostra is the the super apps like i say um so that's that's kind of my vision so yeah i do think it, it's going to be going down that route maybe not in one single application like, i don't think you're going to be doing payments instead of Domus. But yeah. maybe there'll be another like payment app that's Nostra compatible. Did you pick the name Damos? Where does this name come from, and what does it stand for? So Nostra Damos, right? So that's that's the idea. Like that philosopher that could predict the future. Yeah. Um, so I feel like so the Damos is part like so Nostra Damos. So that's I'm bad at naming things. That's <laughs> how it comes from. Uh, but I actually kind of like it because it's like maybe maybe Damos is a glimpse into the future. Um, mm -hmm. So it, ha it, it that's I, I kind of I don't know I, it's growing on me the name I like it from a marketing perspective it's it's been pretty good because it's it's not easy to pronounce necessarily because a lot of people pronounce both Noster and Damas differently which is fine Damas Damas <laughs> yeah whatever whatever people <laughs> want to call it um, but you know like the logo and the um, kind of the the brand that we're trying to build has has worked well for us so far and, and people seem receptive to it. So, you know, you did a decent job, I think. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant at first either. <laughs> and I guess both of you take on very different roles in um, helping this app to thrive. And well, you're anything technical. And Vanessa, you're, you're anything non-technical. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And we have, we have a really um, great team of people beyond just us. Um, some of them, contribute more often than others but um you know we're we're slowly building a, a pretty cool team of people from around the world that just want to be part of this um so we've got developers we've got you know business people that are helping us we've got project managers um so it's it's fun because we're able to collaborate with all these awesome people and yeah we we have a line like 
I, I have no technical knowledge whatsoever, although I'm, I'm learning a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's probably a good way to do it. And Vanessa, you're not really in the spotlight quite a lot um, with well going on all these big stages. But and there's I know there's so much that goes into the non-technical side of things on a daily basis. So you're, you're carrying a lot of weight here in the background and took Damos and um, Noster to where it is now. Is this the first time that you work with a, a family member? Yeah, yeah. Other than that, that brief little thing that we did uh, with the Bitcoin education thing. But yeah, this is the first time that we're working together. And yeah, for me, working with uh, with a family member. So it's been it's been good, though, I think, for the most part. We agree. Yeah, I mean, I would get like. None of this, none of this would happen because I, my calendar would just be a mess. Like if I didn't have your help doing all that stuff and scheduling podcasts and stuff, I don't know. Yeah. And, and we're working on a lot of kind of unique marketing initiatives because obviously um, we don't have advertising in the app. So that presents a whole bunch of challenges when it comes to, you know, actually making money, which is something that we're still working towards. Um, so, you know, myself and some of the other team members are, it's challenging because how do you how do you promote something that's really not promotable in the sense that it's you know supposed to be decentralized and it's supposed to you know not have any big uh, sponsors or advertisers or any of that right so how do you grow with those limitations this is definitely one of the main challenges um, on the non-technical side is that as any business, as any service, you have to sustain first um, to really go for the extra mile, uh, which seems like you guys are have always been. And before we were connecting and you share that there's some interest from VC for Noster and Damos. And the part of the challenge has been having to take uh, turn down money and then really to work on to preserve the integrity of the platform. And this is what we see with a lot of kind of Bitcoin centric companies. This is not the first time I heard about, you know, we have to the, the challenging, the challenging part of the business is actually having to turn down money to really maintain our integrity. So is this still the case? You know, a big part of being like a, a decentralized social network is, you know, you want to maintain the, uh, the trust, you know, with your customers in some sense, or your users. Um, and cause like we're holding their private keys, right? We actually have a lot of responsibility and, and kind of these types of things. So, um, we want to maintain that independence and not make, make sure that we don't have like a board that's going to like eject me or, or something like that. Right. Like I want to make sure that I have complete control over the system just so we can maintain that, um, integrity and, um, autonomy. So, but that's, yeah, that's the challenge. It's like now, well, it'd be nice to have money to kind of build this out quicker, but you know, as it's being, just, it's just the nature of building on a decentralized uh, platform, I guess. Yeah, and we're you know we're reliant on some really generous kind of donors as well as like grants that we're working <coughs> towards. So um, that's all the stuff that that I'm working on too behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, HRF has been obviously amazing supporter of because they see the value in like having this type of technology and this tool in, in the ecosystem. Um, and obviously Jack as well, like he, he sees it as, you know, Twitter's original vision and he wants to make sure that that is ongoing. So there's these people who, who just want to see the vision and, and see that go through and having it done properly versus that the traditional route with the PCs, which kind of corrupts a lot of the process. So we, as long as we keep finding people who are, who believe in the mission and want to keep helping and help with the grants, then we can keep going and keep building it out and hopefully just become self-sustainable via the other means. But right now we're just, we're still building it still very early. So. 
Totally. It's you're you're getting a lot of you're getting so much word of mouth for a service or a social platform. If you think about any social platform, the the network is is the biggest thing. And how do you get from zero users to uh, even like a thousand users? So you guys are actually absolutely kidding it um, with all of these adoption. And there's a lot of great friends, and the Bitcoin community are a huge advocate of the mission. Um, and a lot of Bitcoiners are are on the the platform. And this is this is the case right now. But this might not be the case in the future because I see this being very too di too directional in the sense that right now you have a lot of Bitcoiners starting to get onboarded onto Noster, but and then it's, it's, it seems like Bitcoin is helping Noster. But in let's say two years time or even shorter than that, we're gonna see more and more people. We're in the long term. We're gonna see more and more people on Noster who are not yet interested in Bitcoin, and then they get introduced to Bitcoin because of Noster. And I think you, you are already seeing, seeing this with all of the, the zap, zapping function. I, I bet a lot of people don't even recognize that through Bitcoin. No, I've, I've gone that many times where they, you know, this is why we call them zaps. Like we don't even explicitly mention Bitcoin too many places in Domus because we want to show the people the value of Bitcoin without mentioning it. Because the minute you mention it, people think of like scams and all this stuff because they they because their friend got owned by like some shit coin and all of a sudden like they think bitcoin is is the same thing and they don't really understand yeah. so I, i've always said with um the one, one way to orange kill the world is just like get them people to use it without them realizing they're using it <laughs> and then like wait this is just useful and like i mean i feel like we did that to edward snowden because he was just like he thought bitcoin was slow and he didn't under, he never tried the lightning network before and then once everyone started zapping him and he's like whoa this is like amazing <laughs> So we just need more moments like that and so people can kind of like understand what's going on. Are you any concerned? Because we just saw in the past couple of days, actually, a wallet of Satoshi removed from U.S., Google and Apple App Store. And they issued um, uh, announcement today saying they're removing themselves from the U.S. App Store. Um, this is this is not going to be the last crack at products and services in the Bitcoin ecosystem. And Damos is not directly linking, but it's close enough with all the zaps. And you've already gone through battles with app stores on on this. Are you are you any concerned um, on this? Yeah, I mean, and people might remember this, but like I think it was like what ten years ago, um, Apple like banned all Bitcoin apps from their app store. And then people like did this huge campaign and started like breaking their phones with like hammers and stuff. Uh, so maybe we just need another one of those if they start <laughs> if they start screwing around. Uh, but yeah, I definitely feel like we're less of a threat than some wallet apps like Zeus. Uh, Zeus probably like has been through some weird stuff right now. Like their their account got shut down, their developer account. So um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna get pretty dicey, especially if like the legislation gets more and more kind of like dark uh, on the Bitcoin side of things, which is definitely possible. So I think the best thing we can do is like stop relying as much on the app stores. Um, that's why I've been kind of building out the Domus tech stack to be more independent from Apple you know, with the Domus Android, Domus desktop. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a real concern and I totally see it, it go downhill very quickly. For, for an iOS user, can you even get past, get around the app store to install apps on your phone? Is that possible? So there's two approaches. The one is the PWA approach. Um, or like if you, if you just open a website like snort.social, you can use a, a Nostra client. Like they can't really block that. It'd be very hard to do that. Obviously, it's not as nice of experience as a, as a native app. Um, but if things go to shit, then that's like one solution. 
you know, they are looking at, um, I think the EU, EU is forcing them to enable sideloading. So in the future, you'll be able to just download it like a like an APK, like they do on Android. So you have like an IPA file or something. You can just install it. So that's going to be one future thing, I think, that'll be available. Um, obviously, a lot of people aren't aren't going to do that because they're not used to installing software like that. But um, it's, it's, it's still an option. Okay, so it's not going to be the end of the world yet <laughs> just, they, uh... we just won't have like we won't have world domination if we can't if we're not on the app store though right because most people use <laughs> app store apps um, they don't want to install things from random websites okay i see i see yeah but why do you think what threats do you think nostar and damos post to the status quo like why they're afraid of why they're afraid of it well it's interesting because like um you know i got to talk a little bit with like the uh, i think what's his name rfk um uh, his like some of his team and they're they're really concerned about like elections right so if you mm -hmm. can have if you have these one um, one person who can like write an algorithm that can sway the course of an election like that's very concerning so one thing i i think which would be really cool is if we got support from you know, some elements of the u.s government or other governments who care about election integrity and um you know that's where things can get, kind of get scary because the people who control the algorithms that can sway elections they might not like the fact there's there's another thing that they can't control um, so that's where it might can kind of get dicey, but, um, that's still, we're still very early in that, that whole chapter of Nostra. It'd be cool if that played out, but we'll see. <laughs> I bet it's been a very, very wild year for you to say the least. Both of you in a way went from ordinary everyday Bitcoiners to, um, going on what Bitcoin did with Peter McCormack and going on main stage, talking about Nostra and the future of, um, the future of the protocol. How are you, uh, Dealing with the fame, has there any like positive impacts or turbulence for your day to day because of it? Um, I I mean I don't really like that's not really what motivates me is like I'm not doing this to to get famous. Of course, yeah. I, um, so Bad product, eh? I just find it's like slightly, it's kind of like kind of awkward sometimes when you're like going to these meetups and everyone knows you and it's like I can no longer have like a normal interaction with someone who's just like I'm like oh like they don't know who I am. It's um, so that's, that's completely changed, like socially and like how I interact. Uh, um, but honestly, like none of this would ever be even, I could not, well, you're asking how I manage it. I, I literally couldn't. And that's why I basically just started forwarding all the emails to Vanessa. I'm like, <laughs> can you just deal with all this? And, uh, so she's been able, she got me on the McCormack podcast and honest. So she's been really helpful just on, just through this whole process. I probably couldn't do it without her. So. Wow. No, I think it's been, I mean, for, uh, to answer your question about, you know, uh, positives and, and every interaction that I've had um, meeting people both online and live has been positive. We made the decision to be very open about who we are, which, you know, not all of the developers are doing, but, um, you know, having our son and a lot of uh, the posts and attending a lot of these events and stuff. And um, we felt it was important. So people know who we are. They know that we're real regular people that are, doing this for these reasons. And I think that that's helped really with the, the growth because people see that they can relate a little bit and that mm -hmm. it doesn't have to just be for technical people or it doesn't just have to be for uh, Bitcoiners, but it can be for, you know, moms and people that just want to interact. So um, I think it's been all positive stuff and, and, you know, it's a lot of there's a lot going on, obviously, and when you have a seven-year-old, it's busy as it is, but, um, you know, it's all really, really um, enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, as an engineer, you're just used to, I mean, like, especially in open source, you're usually just used to not having any users, and you're just tinkering away by yourself. So 
I'm just grateful to actually have like lots of users who actually like using my software and that's all that's enough for me to keep going. I can imagine it, it is the dream for everyone out there pretty much, you know, to work on a side project. Either it's like building an app or just any any side project and to have it take off like that and transform your life in every aspect. I'm asking this on behalf of all of the builders out there so they can learn from you. What are the things that you think you did right? What do you okay. think contributed? to the success of um, demos if you want to have a successful app you know it's not it's not going to happen like the first try like i feel like this is like my nine thousandth side project was, that was my joke early on <laughs> when i was talking to people it was like yeah so he came to me and i'm like oh okay side project number 5073 here it is yes yeah, so, <laughs> so i would say like don't expect your first thing is going to work you got to keep trying and trying and trying until you find something that just like really like resonates and it's going to and it's usually it'll probably just be luck because I feel like I just really got really lucky that this one side project took off. You know, I probably could have been gone through another 5000 until I, I found something. But for some reason, at this point in time, um, it just kind of took off. So that's going to think it's going to be a timing thing. It's going to, you know, try to find something that's, you know, that's important right now. And it's, it's important for people that's going to provide value for people. Um, yeah, but it's not it's, it's not guaranteed. And it's probably a little bit of a luck and just uh, keep but just keep going, keep trying different things. So. And I think, too, you got some good advice from, um, I think it was Jack who said it early on, too. It's like, build things that you like working on. Also, things that you could see yourself using and, like, people around you. Um, and then go from there, right? And then take advice and take <laughs> learning from your users. And that, you know, people like to be heard. People like to know that they have some type of an input into things. So I think, again, that's led to success because we have this pe group of people who are now like essentially invested in this, not financially, but just in the sense of like they want to see it um, succeed because they've been part of it. So that model seems to have worked really well. Another thing I would suggest is try to find like a few unique things that you're good at and like combine them. Like for instance, I was working on Bitcoin and lightning and also the social network. And it made sense to combine these two technologies, which added so much more powerful. Like it would probably be not as fun if there's not zapping in it. Right. So that was just one example where you can kind of take two like unique skills that you have that where not many people would have those two things and then build something out of that, a combination of those things. And, Usually that's much more powerful than just doing another thing that someone something someone has already did, right? So. A lot of the builders are perfectionists, and rightfully so. Um, so at what point, where do you draw the line between not enough and just get it out there? Like where do you actually do the switch of, of balancing your your perfectionism and getting things done? Zapstack was a good example of that, right? I could have spent, I probably spent a year on it just trying to get it like to a point where it worked. And it's obviously not perfect. And that's like the biggest criticism that people give me about this aspect, that it's like, it's not perfect. I'm like, well, you guys didn't, I mean, you could have made something like, why didn't you? He's probably still working on it, right? So actually getting first to market with something that just basically works is sometimes more important. And you just got to make that judgment call. And I don't know how you, you get, it really just comes from maybe experience. I used to work in, I mean, I only worked in startup, startups for the past like 13 years. And it just, you learn that very quickly that you need to get things out. You can't just keep toiling away or else your competitors are going to have an advantage. So, um, yeah, something you just have to learn over when time. When I bug them enough and then I'm like, OK, we need the new <laughs> app store release out. Yeah, like that now. Help, that helps a lot. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good to get a second opinion. It's keep your in, keep your keep your um, timeline in check. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, it is hard though because we the the pace of development, which is something that people have talked about uh, a lot over the past year, is is pretty incredible, right? Because you've got all of these um, super passionate, super talented developers who are working on this because they want to. They're not being forced into it. So that leads to this crazy, you know, back and forth and, you know, who's going to get this out quicker and and just innovation, um, I think, has been really, really impressive. Even from a non-technical person, I can see the the pace of it. Um, and it's it's pretty crazy. I don't know how you guys are going to maintain I think it. We're all burning, next... I think we're all burning each other out, though. <laughs> yeah. That's like, like, God damn, why are you working on the weekend, man? Like, give me a break. Like, Kieran always says that to me. I'm like, well, I'm just I like working today. He's like, God damn it. I guess this is what happens when, you, when you're doing what you love. It's, it's that weekdays, weekend doesn't really matter that much anymore. You don't feel like this is a dedicated time I'm supposed to rest. And I think this is a, actually a huge indicator that you're doing something you love because you, if you don't mind working on something on weekend, you know, with, with your whole heart and don't feel like you're missing out on anything, then that's a that's a great thing. And I can tell both of you are, are totally in that space. And this year you've traveled to so many, so many Bitcoin conferences with your child. Um, and I can totally imagine it's a game changer when you start to bring your kid to all of these conferences. From what I can see so far, the, the current set of Bitcoin conferences that we're sort of more familiar with are not quite family friendly. Would you agree? And a lot of Bitcoiners, they, they promote themselves as like, oh, we're all family oriented. We care about like traditional family values. And like when you go to these Bitcoin conferences, like no kids, <laughs> there's no there's no kid activities. And you're like, OK, is this like a LARP? Is this like a real thing? <laughs> so, um, but I think the best one was probably I think Australia was pretty good, right? Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, in fairness, I mean, I I have worked in conferences for a long time for my previous um, work and everything. So it, it's, it's difficult, right? Like it's difficult to cater to both audiences at something yeah. like this, because obviously the subject matter is not, you know, it's not simple for anyone, let alone, you know, to have anything that would be of interest to kids. So, you know, I think that might change over the, over time, but, you know, for the most part, we've had a really positive um experience like specifically the Noster people that attend some of these conferences with us if they've become our family you know like the, there's some of them that just will sit with him and you know engage with him even and miss their own you know seeing the content themselves because they're so helpful and supportive of us so I think that's what's been really cool and for him to meet these people um you know, like he did some AI art and the organizers in Australia printed it into this huge poster for him. And he was just like over the moon about that. And so there's just been these really cool moments, I think, um, that have been uh, have been really positive. But yeah, for the most part, I mean, it's it's tough to have a, a child sit through three days of a Bitcoin content. <laughs> well, it's good to get a taste of everything. And I'm sure that um, I think Bitcoin conferences are taking note of that. I think the, the, the organizers I've spoken to for for this coming year, they've all had some very cool ideas in mind in terms of how, where do we put the, all these children. How do people stay close to your work? And if they would like to support Nostra in any way, uh, what's the best approach? So we have uh, store.domus.io where you can buy... Our awesome shirts. <laughs> our nice merch. <laughs> it's our nice model right here yeah, for yeah. our merch. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And uh, yeah, you can, you know, we'll probably have subscriptions soon. Um, but yeah, you can just go to Damas.io, get the app. We have a new website that we launched recently. So it's got a lot more information in terms of events that we're going to be at or podcasts that we're doing. Um, also, like people um, who are fans that can, like can post uh, photos and stuff of them. So, yeah, that that's probably the best is the store and also the. Do you have the NFC tax on the, uh, the store as well? Uh, no, but we should probably talk to Ben about getting those on. There. Yeah, they're very popular. We yeah, that's a, <clears throat> one of our contributors. His uh, <clears throat> His son actually makes those. So, yeah, we're looking at a whole bunch of collaborations, actually, for the merch store, because lately a lot of people have been asking for, you know, not just Domus stuff, but other NASA related um, merch. So that'll be coming soon um, and just see how like we'll try to test some things. And so I'm always open to suggestions on that kind of stuff. No, just, you know, keep using Noster and keep contributing. And if you, you know, if you're any type of um, builder or creator, not just, you know, devs, but um, content creators and, you know, photographers and anything like we need all the people um, that we can get working towards building. So hopefully people will stick with this as we go into year two. And yeah, thanks for having us on. Thanks. Thanks a lot for joining the show. And uh, on behalf of myself and a lot of a lot more um damos users thank you both for your hard work and your passion your dedication um building this app providing um such a great platform for us to connect um and talk to each other while maintaining um the the integrity of the platform to make it truly decentralized and open source um kudos kudos to both of you and to the team this is like what's bitcoin if you like this content please like um subscribe we'll see you in another episode